the reality is most sales and marketing hasn't achieved the goal of one-to-one. It hasn't been relevant and personalized and valuable. And so that's why buyers have sort of learned to sort of be really resistant. I think one of the most important things that we need to do as marketers and as salespeople is to be more sensitive to where a particular buyer is in their journey and to match our go-to-market to where they are. Welcome to the Industrial Strength Marketing Show, the show that challenges people across the supply chain to make marketing the strength of their business. My name is James Soto. I'm the industrial marketer and entrepreneur, best known for founding Industrial, the marketing agency trusted by leading industrial brands around the world. I'm sitting down with industrial innovators to talk about their careers, insights, and marketing that makes an impact. Today, I am probably as excited as I've ever been really hosting this show. Today, we have a very special guest, John Miller. He's the Chief Marketing Officer of Demandbase. He's gonna be diving into account-based experience, the next evolution of marketing in the B2B industrial sector as we know it today. John is really someone I've, I've admired for many, many years, and he's arguably had as much impact on how we market today than just about anyone, especially in the B2B sector. So I am so excited to bring John here to talk about his journey from inbound, outbound, account-based marketing to account-based experience. You're not going to want to miss this episode. So. With not much more ado, I just want to welcome you, John, to the show. Thanks for being here. Thank you very much. And thanks for that intro. My pleasure. So today we're going to dive into a little bit about where we are today with marketing and really that evolution that we've been on from early technology-based marketing, inbound demand generation, outbound, and really talk about this progression through to account-based marketing and really to this moment account-based experience. But before we get into that, John, I think it'd be really important. You know, we have quite a, an interesting audience of industrials, and I think it'd be great to get to know you a little bit more through your history and some of the key milestones along the way and bring us up to today from that. Sure. My story in a couple of minutes or less. My undergraduate degree is in physics, and I always thought I was going to end up being a physicist. I spent my summers, I did fusion research at Lawrence Livermore National Laboratories. But when I was graduating, you know, I applied and got into a PhD program, but I was like, I don't know, maybe this, there's this whole other world of people doing business, you know, out there. So I, I deferred my PhD for a year and got a job in consulting just to kind of check it out. And I realized that I, I liked this kind of you know, different lifestyle and, and different space, but that the quantitative analytical background I had from physics really did apply in the consulting world. Now, this was back in 1994 was when I graduated college. The book, The One-to-One Future by Don Peppers and Martha Rogers, had just recently come out. I think it published in 93. And so this whole idea of using data and analytics to be more relevant and personalized with your customers and prospects was just kind of on the forefront of what people were doing. And that's I ended up doing consulting related to that kind of stuff because it was analytical and quantitative, which... It was cool. So I ended up working on this company called Exchange Partners. And we had a, we actually had acquired a technology company that we ultimately was called Exchange Applications or just Exchange, 
which was turned out to be quite successful. I mean, the te- this technology was trying to basically automate some of the things that the consulting was doing around recommending how you work with your customers. Exchange actually IPO'd and was one, probably one of the leading marketing technologies of, say, the mid-90s. After a while, I left because I wanted to go to grad school. So I went and got my MBA and decided to leave consulting and get into technology because this was in 1999, at the peak of the internet bubble. I managed to join a company called Epiphany, which was building a marketing technology product that was going to compete with Exchange. I think the only reason they hired me is because I had a little bit of association with that other company because otherwise I had no technology experience at all. But that was really my first job in tech where I started as a product manager and eventually moved on to marketing roles. And so I was there for about seven years building marketing technology. We sold Epiphany, great IPO, biggest IPO of of the internet bubble. Sorry, 1999 specifically. And then crashed on the other side of the internet bubble. Sold Epiphany after meeting there about seven years that's when I was like, all right, well, what am I going to do next? And I w- kind of was talking with this with Phil Fernandez, who was the uh, president chief operating officer from, from Epiphany. So my boss was boss at the time. And it turns out we both sort of had a vision of what we thought would be an opportunity to start a company, which would be to provide powerful Epiphany level marketing technology, but to leverage software as a service so that we could deliver it in a way that was easier for marketers to buy and use. And that was the original genesis of the idea for Marketo. So Phil and I started Marketo in 2005, and I I took the role as the original chief marketing officer there. And you know, obviously, I think probably many of you have all heard of Marketo. That's probably why I'm best known. Uh, Marketo was a big success; became the leading marketing automation technology. The the vision of making it easy to buy and easy to own paid off. And so I stayed with Marketo for about nine years to the point where it got to be a pretty big company. And it sort of didn't feel like my company anymore. It just felt like a company where I was working. And I was craving kind of that kind of early startup opportunity. And I felt like I was ready to be a CEO. And so after nine years at Marketo in 2015, I left to start Engageo, which was a player in the account-based marketing space. We'll talk more about kind of what that means. Mm-hmm. But raised a couple rounds, built the company to about 60 people and about 10 million of revenue. And then last year, really right when all the COVID stuff was hitting, we, we just made the decision to merge Engageo with Demandbase. And we didn't do it because of COVID. <laughs> we sort of got it done despite COVID. We did it because I really saw the vision that the two platforms together would combine to be the leading account-based platform. So that, yeah, that was June of, 20, of 2020 when we brought those two together. Moved like the wind to integrate them into a single solution. Got that done by the end of last year. And that's when I sort of took on the CMO role at Demandbase, you know, because I was like, all right, we got this great product now. Now let's, uh, yeah. let's uh, really promote the hell out of it. And, you know, I'm a creature of habit. How do I, I the only, the best way I know how to market something is write a book. So uh, I, that's why it led me to write the new book, which we'll talk about, The Clearing Company Guide to Account-Based Experience. Hopefully that's a little bit of a summary. Yeah, well, it's a great summary. So for everybody listening, yeah, that's legit. That's a great background. And it's interesting. We're probably around the same age. And, uh, you know, if you really look at the timeline, your timing was really, really interesting. You're, you know, they always say it's good to be born at the right time. And what, 1994, Yahoo was formed, 98, Google, you know, really starting to get into 2005, what you already have LinkedIn on the, uh, on the roadmap. And, you know, as you really look at the, the technologies and media we have, it's been great to see the evolution of the technology with it. So it sounds like it's, it's been a good place to be as a physicist, right? So <laughs> what's been the part that's been sort of the most fun 
is go back to the one to one future by Don Peppers and Martha Rogers. Yeah. Right. And they described, I mean, we should maybe explain what that is for the, for the listeners. I mean, they they talk about the 1800s corner store, right. Where you could walk into this little, little store and they knew that you like brown eggs, not white eggs, and that you had family visiting this week. So you're going to need an extra bag of flour. Right. I mean, that was the level of personalization that we had in that kind of one-to-one world. But then obviously the industrial era came along and mass production. We got lower costs and more choice and all these benefits, but we lost that one-to-one personalization. And the vision of the one-to-one future is how can we apply industrial era scale to deliver corner store level personalization? And the unlock that makes that happen is the availability of data and analytics that didn't used to exist. So I've been intrigued by that vision again since graduating college. Yep. And, is and, it, our, and, and how every, apropos is it for now, right? <laughs> yeah. So uh, arguably every company I've been at, Epiphany, Marketo, Engageo, and now Demandbase, each one is bringing us closer and closer to that vision of every company, you know, every interaction between a company and its customers and prospects being relevant and personalized. Yeah, it's. I think the the mantras we go by are predictive, prescriptive, and personalized, and that's amazing. And in in a parallel in manufacturing, it's the same issue. You know, how do you really at that scale really build to order, build to suit, and you know, mass customization? I think it's just it's becoming not a differentiator. It's increasingly becoming an expectation, and in some areas, and certainly in marketing, I think we're we're seeing that. I think when we look at that journey and you come to where you are today. You know, what really excites you about marketing today as you really look at account-based marketing, account-based experience? You know, generally speaking, what, what is most exciting, you know, considering that, you know, one-to-one future and inspiration and kind of this moment? So I think we are closer today to that one-to-one future than we've ever been. I mean, you've got the, I mean, obviously big data has been around now for five, six, seven years. And the ability to start processing that data with new kinds of uh, machine learning algorithms. You know, I mean, if, if you go back, I mean, machine learning has been a topic in marketing for six years now. But honestly, it kind of fizzled out in the first wave, mm-hmm. you know, especially in B2B, you know, industrial marketing. What you had was like all these companies that emerged that basically were glorified scoring. Like, hey, you got a lead. We'll tell you how good it is. Okay, you know, you, know, you say I tell you, it's like okay, it's, but like ultimately, all, all, all that exciting. But it's matured now, and now we're seeing the machine learning able to do things like, first of all, intent data, you know, which is really starting, you know, which is processing signals about what people are looking at out on the open web, and then sort of tying the pad and then matching it to companies, you know, and ultimately looking for the patterns of, hey, this company is reading about these kinds of topics and they're reading about it more than they were last week. Maybe there's some buying activity going on as well as just other kinds of predictive analytics to really understand when's the right time to reach out to a company or a customer in a way that's much more relevant than than it used to be. So we're still not there. Uh, in terms of, I think, you know, every interaction personalized and relevant and automated. Yeah. But we're the closest we've, we've ever been because of data and AI. And I think in privacy concerns and changes to what data we can now capture, right? We've talked about what 
cookie apocalypse and things of that nature. Um, I think you've touched upon it a little bit. Like, how do you see when we're really trying to get to that point, you know, how we're going to bridge that gap to get those insights and data considering these opposing forces? Yeah, I mean, that's a good question. I mean, first of all, I personally am less worried about the cookie apocalypse and, than, than others are. I mean, I just saw an article today that Google has decided to kind of postpone dropping third-party cookies till 2023. And, and I kind of expected that because they've said all along that they're not going to blow up the entire ecosystem where they make all their money without having some privacy-compliant alternative in place. And they've been working, and the industry's been working to find privacy-compliant alternatives. And it's just not happening yet, right? You know, so like we may keep seeing that thing get deferred further and further and further out. Yeah. And yet the trend is for more personal privacy, and I understand that and I respect that. But you got two other factors at play. You know, one is consumers have shown they're willing to share some information if it's valuable to them. And back to the corner store, personalization one-to-one isn't about let me just sell you more crap you don't want. Right. It's about actually let me be more helpful and more relevant and more personalized. Yep. And marketers often are trying to create seducible moments. Like, you know, if you show me yours, I'll show you mine, you know, really in, in the battle to give up your anonymity. And right now it's every interaction as we're seeing it seems to be really more focused on how do we deliver value. And I think you've touched upon that a lot, um, obviously in the ABX and in other areas. But as you really look at this battle for attention and this this need to interrupt, how do you see that playing out in the context of really trying to improve that experience? Well, I think a couple of factors, right? I mean, yeah, buyers say they certainly don't, they are marketing and sales resistant. They don't like filling out forms. Personally, if I get an email that isn't expected or wanted, I will hit the spam button, frankly, regardless whether it truly meets the definition of spam or not. Oh, so um, I'm not I'm not the only one like that. Okay. So <laughs> okay. I think that's a reflection that you know the reality is most sales and marketing hasn't achieved the goal of one-to-one. It hasn't been relevant and personalized and valuable. And so that's why buyers have sort of learned to sort of be really resistant. I think one of the most important things that we need to do as marketers and as salespeople is to be more sensitive to where a particular buyer is in their journey and to match our go-to-market to where they are. And it can just be as simple as, you know, if you are, if this is a potential buyer, but is not showing any interest, they're not, they're not researching, they're not, they're just somebody who you want to be aware of, right? That is probably not the person that you should be aggressively trying to get a sales meeting with because there's almost nothing you're going to be able to do that's not going to come across as sort of unwanted sales outreach. And it's friction, right? It's, it's at that point, it's friction, if anything. And so, you know, I think we're leading into a few things. And I think for everyone listening, you know, as we look at that one-to-one, that mass personalization, going into the shop and not only knowing kind of what you need through that data, through that information, you know, knowing, oh, wow, I know you're having a kid in a few months, are you going to need this, right? It's, it's, it's amazing how we can start to leverage technology to do that. And as we look at that journey, really, which is a cornerstone of really account-based marketing, account-based experience, 
and making sure it's the right information at the right time in the right context with a reasonable set of expectations, right? Some may be branding, some may be some equitable exchange of content or value. So you started with one of the first things at Demandbase was to write the clear and complete guide to account-based experience, go to market. Really what motivated you to write that? Who's it for and why? I mean, I wrote it partly because I love teaching. And, you know, I think one of probably my main superpower is I seem to be pretty good at kind of taking a lot of information and explaining it back to people in a way that's pretty clear and easy to understand. And I have found that, you know, the best thing you can do to help build a category and create a category is just educate people, get them smart on not just what it is, but how do you do it, right? And, you know, that's what I did for lead nurturing and lead scoring and marketing automation. Uh, it's what I did at Engageo for account-based marketing and, and now here with kind of this idea of account-based experience. So ultimately, I wrote the guide to be, to be hopefully valuable to any, anybody who's involved in, in a B2B go-to-market, especially if your B2B go-to-market is you know not highly transactional, right? If you're selling deals worth twenty five thousand dollars or more, then my my hope is that the guide has got a really useful, valuable information for you. I will say, I mean, it's a two hundred sixty page book, which means you know, I mean, it's 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 meant to be pretty perusable and flippable and and, and that kind of thing. What it means though is it's got information kind of for all levels. So if you're a beginner, you haven't done any account-based strategies before, the guide's going to help you out, right? You're absolutely going to learn how to get started, what to do first, but you're also going to see a vision of what it can look like if you're advanced. And so, you know, the guide also, I think is going to be valuable for advanced practitioners who are looking to go even to the kind of the next level. And I got that out of it too. And, and I like how you ended with, you know, start with that one experiment. What's that one thing that you do? And and then you can really progress from there. So, so everybody listening, John produces some of the best guides out there still to this day, even in our agency, our, our chief strategy officer was literally reading and referring to something in, in the Marketo, <laughs> I think it was the definitive guide. And I think for you to read this, this is truly one of the best ones I've read. And it's truly practical, pr- truly educational. And in the context of the short time we have today, I told John I was going to put him on the spot. So we're going to do a little speed dating as it comes to the, you know, the clear and complete guide to account-based experience. So walk us through it in terms of, you know, what are kind of the key themes, the key takeaways, you know, let's start like with what is account-based experience itself and, you know, how does that differ from account-based marketing? And then, you know, there's five steps, there's lots of things in the book, but how can you speed date us through that and, you know, give our audience a a nice preview taste for the for those with short attention spans. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I mean, it just starts about like, well, why should we do account based in the first place? You know, as marketers, we've been living in a world of leads, and I mean, I helped to create the world of leads with Marketo. But you know, at the end of the quarter, your sales team doesn't talk about how many leads they closed; they talk about how many accounts they closed. And it just makes sense for the entire team, marketing and sales, to think about accounts first. And that was the rise of account-based marketing. And you know, I was a early proponent of account-based marketing, and I used an analogy to explain it. I talked about your traditional marketing, your traditional demand gen was like fishing with a net, where you didn't care which fish you caught, you just cared, did I catch enough fish? Whereas account-based marketing was fishing with a spear. You identify the really big, valuable accounts, and you go after them. 
in a very proactive way. And that analogy worked great to help really build the whole account-based marketing strategy. But as we just talked about a little bit earlier, our buyers don't really want to be marketed to or sold to. They're actually pretty resistant to it if it's at the wrong time. So I extended my analogy and I realized it doesn't feel very good to get poked by a spear. And so we needed a a new way of thinking about how to be account-based, you know, that didn't involve going and poking our best customers and, you know, uh, our most potential valuable customers. And and that was where the concept of account-based experience really rose as something that would take the best parts of ABM, the precision and the targeting but would bring in more of a nuanced understanding of the customer experience and what's going to be relevant to them where they are in their journey. You know, there was um, something in in there that I thought was, it seemed like, is this really a tactical question? But I thought it was really important because I'm thinking where folks are. And it was about the form fill. And it was really about, I thought it was a good way to kind of get folks thinking and like, you know, essentially like it's, it said the, at the form fill, it's too late. So you're thinking about experience. You know, a lot of folks are thinking, you know, lead capture. And, and you know, if you could draw a picture here, he illustrated what we've seen in other studies and Gardner research and others about the new B2B buying process, that there's a nonlinear buying process and much happens in the unknown realm, you know, and then, you know, we really think it's starting when the form fill happens. We do capture, there is that equitable exchange of information, and then we're in the known realm. And so can you kind of dive in the context of this story, like that, that account-based experience, like how is it addressing that and why is there that unknown kind of realm and known realm yeah. issue and where's the magic? Cause isn't that a big part of where the magic happens, right? Yeah. Well, I mean, the Marketo model of the world relied on using content to try to capture somebody early in their cycle and get them to give you your email so you could nurture them and then track their behaviors on your website so you could reach out at the right time. And that was really powerful, but it's become less effective today because A, buyers have gotten smart and they realize if they fill out a form, even if it's just to get like that nice ebook, that their salesperson might start calling them and they're going to get calls they don't want. So buyers don't want to fill out those forms just to get content. And they're also doing more of their research off of our site out on the open web where we can't track it with our marketing automation. So for a lot of companies, the first time that they actually finally get a form fill is somebody coming to their site saying, please contact me. I want to like get a demo or buy something. And that's what I mean by it's too late. It's the first time you're actually interacting with that customer is when they've raised their hand. It means that they've probably already formed opinions about the category, about you and your competitors. And you're probably not going to like those opinions because you had nothing... You weren't involved in shaping them, you know, along the way. And so the quandary I talk about in the guide is on the one hand, we want to respect our customers' experience and not reach out to them when they don't want to hear from us. And at the same time, we can't wait until they happen to then raise their hand and come to us. Yep. And and that's a it's all about finding that magic moment when people are interested in talking to a vendor because they are just starting an evaluation, you know, and, and if we can find those and reach out in those moments, we can do it in a way that is actually valuable, actually relevant, actually helpful. And, and that's what one of the 
key things we're trying to do at ABX. Yeah. And, and I, I think there's also some hints of that when you look at outbound and SDRs. Uh, what is the book? Predictable Revenue. And, and was it Aaron Thomas is, uh, if I believe is his name. And what, what he talks about. Jason Lemkin. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. There it is. And if I remember correctly, they talked about seeds, nets, and spears. <laughs> and yeah, I, and I, I, I use, that's where I, I picked up that nets versus spears analogy. Yeah. And so the seeds part of it also has, you know, some parallels there. And I think what we did great is it, it, you actually start to connect those outbound sales versus marketing efforts here. So really is, is exciting to see these things coming together. So why ABX, you know, we, we really looked at the account journeys that are there that you're trying to get information at key phases, anything notable about the count journeys and how ABX is really coming in maybe a little bit differently than one would expect? Well, I mean, I think marketers have been using lead journeys now for about 10 or 15 years. I mean, the most famous one comes from serious decisions where we've probably heard of things like the MQL and the SQL and the SAL and you know those types of things. You know, and the, and the problem with all those uh, three-letter acronyms is they all end in LEAP, right? And it, that's, it's about the, that those are about the individual buyer's path, when what we really want to be thinking about is the overall account's path. And so simply put, the account journey is just taking that same principle and applying it to the account level. But we, we think every company should be customize the stages to meet kind of their unique business, just like they did for the serious decisions model. But it's good to have like a starter. Yep. So we like to talk about a journey that you know starts at the top with just what we call qualified accounts. So these are ones that you want to sell to, but aren't showing any interest. Then we have a stage that we call aware, which is the you know the qualified accounts that are at least showing some intent. They're researching your industry. They sort of you know they're not in a buying cycle yet, but they know that your category exists, if you will. <laughs> then we have engaged. So these are the accounts that are qualified and are now starting to actually interact with you. Maybe they are coming to your website. Maybe they are attending your webinars or downloading some of your content, but still not in a buying cycle. And then we have what we call the marketing qualified account or the MQA. And this is obviously a play on the MQL. And that's that's where you're trying to use intent data, predictive analytics, scoring, whatever you can get your hands on to identify the magic moment. Like this is one where we think they're actually ready to reach out to. Let's kind of you know go and reach out to them. From MQA, people might have a meeting stage, an opportunity stage, a customer stage. And then you have all these post-sale stages depending on the business from adoption, success, expansion, advocacy, you name it, which is why ultimately customizing the stages is important. So yeah, I think you know once you have the stages in place, they give you a lot of insights about you know how you should be working with the account. Yep. And in, in manufacturing, you start to you know look at that post says because a lot of times manufacturers, they are selling something that goes into something else. Or they create, let's say, as an OEM, a end product that, you know, a car that's sold to someone. And, you know, we're seeing with sensor-based technology and the product lifecycle and maintenance, repairs, and operations, whether it's a product or in a factory, there's a massive opportunity, a revenue side there. And so as you really look at the beyond the sale part, there's more sales, right? <laughs> and more opportunity. And, and it's both, sometimes that's selling more of the same thing to the same people. And then sometimes it's selling different things 
to the same people or different things to different people. <laughs> and so the whole kind of post-sale side of this thing gets really interesting and complex. Yeah, and, and that whole paradigm is changing for sure. So one of the things you outlined in the guide was the five ABX processes. And that's more like kind of making the sausage, so to speak, I would imagine. Yeah, how do you do it? Yeah, so how, how do you do it? Yeah, well, I mean, the five processes we talk about are build your foundation, find the accounts that matter, engage with them across channels, close them in conjunction with sales, and then measure the results. So maybe briefly on you know hitting each of those. I mean, build is the right place to start, but in some places also the least sexy, right? Because it's about getting the data foundation into the right place. You can't be account-based when your systems aren't. And traditional marketing technology isn't account-based. Like Marketo, I know, I built it. I built it, right? It's, it's hard to be account-based on those platforms. And so you got to, you know, step one is building a single view of the accounts so you can you know, bring together the data you have about them and augment it with third-party data. But simply, again, like if you can't even, if you don't even know who the accounts are, they're not in your database, you can't go after them. So building is just getting that data infrastructure in place. And so many marketers spend so much money to build customer they, all this marketing, a lot of it just adds up to contacts, right? And and to the extent, you know, it, it could be a strategic differentiator if you are truly invested in the data. You know who you are, where you're going, and, who you want to serve. And, and, why. and, and, and yeah. marketers have certainly have spent money on contacts, but probably not enough time attention on account data in the past. The firmographic you know, stuff. And yeah. Knowing do they have the revenue right, the employees right, do they have the geographies right? Do they have corporate hierarchy set up properly? Technographics, right? So <laughs> Yeah. Yep. In in the technology industry, maybe also in industrial, I'm not sure. A huge data source that's really important is known as technographics. What other technologies do they own? So just getting all that data clean, you know, in, in good shape is is pretty key. Yeah, and you'll see it with. Uh, can't get too much into the details, but let's say it's a company that makes electric cars here. Those technologies that they're interested in, whether it's certain ways you can cast products or others. There's massive applications for that in the manufacturing sector. You think about, you know, Leica, who makes lenses, getting specified at the design engineering phase of, by Apple is massive. And so in, in the industrial space, understanding these finite ecosystems of manufacturers, right? There's very few, so to speak, is, is really a great application for this because these engineers are constantly looking for technologies. There are different phases of their, their product cycle you know and as they're launching one they're already working on the next if not the next and the next so so for for that you know keeping value-based account-based marketing in mind allows engineers to potentially specify you and the question is when are they looking what's next and as the technology evolves we've seen both sides of that john where you know they say hey i don't need to market i don't need to do these types of things because everybody knows us (laughs) Yeah. Everybody, you know, there's only so many people making this particular component that go into electric vehicle batteries, right? And where we, what I've seen is, no, that's where the opportunity is to be of value, to be of service. It's not about the sale. It's about how do you help folks understand what's next, what's new, and how can you balance that giving up the good stuff, right? Because you, if you're, if you're innovating to get specified to be, you know, in the next, let's say, Tesla battery, you know, you want to be able to to somehow get people and engineers aware of that. So, so there's a very interesting and fun dynamic that I think account based not only marketing but experience has 
and that mindset to know that you're willing to really meet them where they're at in their journey so that at the right, the right information at the right time, you can really start to, to change things. So I, I think there's even arguably more of a case in, in a sense in heavy industrial where you're actually making the things that go into things. So we just, you know, I mean, we, you talked about the five processes. So we talked about build. Yep. You know, I mean, find is about focusing your limited resources on the ones that matter the most, right? Whether it's a existing customer or a new one that, you know, that you want to continue to stay in touch with or one you want to go after for net new. And the guy had to talk about this acronym FIRE to help you kind of find the right ones. So FIRE, the F stands for fit. Right. And this is really which are the companies that are going to be a good fit for you? Who are you interested in based on who they are? Who's likely to be easy to sell, profitable, et cetera? The I stands for intent. And that's, we've talked about that a couple of times. This is are they showing interest in your products and your competitors and in your industry out on the open web? The R stands for relationship. And this is, you know, hey, do you know them? Do they know you? Do you are they a customer? Have you sold to them in the past? Maybe you sold to them at a different company. Right, just understanding all those connections and history. And then the E stands for engagement. And that's back to, are they spending time with you and your company? And when you combine F, I, R, and E, that's where you kind of really can like zero in on the most valuable accounts. Uh, absolutely. Engaging them is about then understanding them first and foremost, right? Because we do want to engage in a relevant, personalized way, you know, because that's what we've been talking about this whole time. And then on only when you know how to be relevant and personalized, then there's a whole spectrum of channels that we can use, right? There's advertising, which is really an important channel because, you know, you can just basically focus your dollars on the accounts that are the most interesting and then customize the ads based upon where they are in their journey. But direct mail, sales outreach, exec outreach, events, they all play a role uh, in engaging. The most important thing is to orchestrate all those different so that it's like a nice harmonious orchestra and not a bunch of you know different instruments doing their own thing kind of making a bad sound mm -hmm. i think a lot of marketers they perk up right this feels like a familiar area for them right in terms of delivering content and advertising yeah. but there's also some kind of words of caution in a sense because you outline there's different levels there's the one-to-one -one type approach where you're personalizing on a one-to-one -one basis and then depending on the volumes of the accounts there's a certain level of focus that you put depending on the type of market you're going after, right? And the numbers of businesses there. And so like, how does that come into play? Because you've got to also be pragmatic depending on where you are in your journey and the scale of your organization or agency or whatever it may be. Yeah. You can't be personalized and hyper-personalized and hyper-relevant to thousands of accounts. And so, you know, the key is to, be as relevant and personalized as you can for the volume that's appropriate for your business. Um, and we do talk about different styles, you know, one-to-one, -one, which is maybe appropriate for seven-figure deals, one-to-few for six-figure deals, and one-to-many for five-figure deals. It's a little bit more sophisticated than that, but that's a good rule of thumb. And in each of those, you might you know, have a handful of one-to-ones, dozens of one-to-fews, and hundreds of one-to-manys. But, you know, and, and, and different businesses might have all those or just one or two of those, depending on kind of what products they sell. You know, but yeah, the key is to then not have too many in any one of those styles that you can't actually deliver the relevance and personalization that style needs. And there's focus is you get more yield, right, for the for the account if, if you could really 
zero those things in. Just as some reference, John, in you know in the manufacturing sector in North America, there's 258,000 manufacturers according to the National Association of Manufacturers, and of that number, incredibly, only just under 4,000 have more than 500 employees. Okay. So when you really think about that large enterprise area, basically manufacturing is small business over 90 percent. So when you break down those mid-sized markets, you're, you're not dealing with an incredible volume of firms, of organ, you know, companies. So, so if anything, it leaves me to believe that, again, manufacturers who are industrial B2B selling to each other are even more suited towards you know, account-based experience, account-based marketing. And for us looking at, you know, we look at the industry week five, you know, 500 and, you know, from there we see a problem where, you know, we, we work on more of the transformation and we look at the plumbing and everything it takes to kind of essentially build a distinguished marketing function in a business. And what's interesting about the manufacturing sector is you don't see CMOs in the industry week 500, you know, outside when you get the first, you know, past the first 50 or to a hundred, you know, very recognizable names. You really don't see the an actual place at the room for a chief marketing officer. And it's reflective of where a lot of manufacturing in the industry is as it relates to marketing overall. So for us, and you know, as an example, you can start to really look at account base based on lots of different criteria, who's in the right situation, their right moment in time. And then how do you really look at that journey? Because they are transforming, they are adopting, they are establishing the marketing function at increasingly faster and faster rate. So, so, so these are things that definitely play. So we build, we're finding, we're engaging. The big issue is the alignment. So, so closing opportunities. I think that's another big issue there. Yeah. Sales and marketing alignment is a challenge in a lot of companies. Um, oh, kind of historically and always. But one of the real advantages of being account-based is that it does bring sales marketing together, both because it requires it, but also because it supports it. And having marketing and sales talking about this to be a good thing. You know, and this is the speed version. So I won't talk about everything that the guide talks about, but there's two things I will. Uh, the, you know, the first is just that going back to that data foundation, when marketing and sales are just looking at the same data about the account, it goes a long way. You know, where alignment miss, you know, alignment gets messed up and marketing's like, look, I generated these leads and sales like, you know, and look here, somebody responded to this campaign at your account and sales is like, I don't know. I don't see that what's happening. Like that's a disconnect, but like everybody's looking at the same view. That's, that's a really good first step. And then from there, you know, I do talk about this concept of the ABX standup, which is obviously why you titled the podcast this way. It's probably the single best thing I've seen to get sales and marketing working together aligned on accounts. You just, you know, it's like, like an engineering standup. It should be short, 10, 15 minutes max. So you can do it standing. Get your salesperson and your marketer. And if you have an SDR or some sort of person like that, include them as well. That's it. Don't have any managers or anything like that. And the topic is talk about that sales reps accounts and what are we doing for them? You know, and it just, it, it sounds really simple, but like many ideas, simple ideas are the best. It works wonders for getting marketing and sales just together on the same page to go after, to be orchestrated and aligned as you go after these accounts. And, and because of the way the journey works in ABX, timing is also important, right? Because then you can, you can potentially even orchestrate based on those signals, right? It's the right time. And so if anything, it's with that approach, it's important. It's always been important, but it's important now more than ever because it's self-defeating if you've got somebody 
wearing somebody out at the wrong time. So as you look at the uh, the measurement component, you know you can't manage what you measure. You got to you know determine what success looks like and how you're going to measure it. When it comes to the the five ABX processes, how does where does measurement come in in terms of account progress? Yeah, I mean, I think more than anything else, it requires a change of thinking about measurement. Traditional marketing metrics tend to be very focused on on quantity. You know, how many leads I get, how many people attended my event, things like that. And, you know, vanity metrics sometimes, you know, how many impressions did I get? And as we move to this world where we're trying to put more energy onto the counts of the most valuable, uh, you really need to evolve your metrics to focus on quality as well as quantity. And the question becomes less how many people attended my event. And it's more, well, did the right people attend my event? And not did they attend, but were they engaged? And so I talk about this concept of engagement as a good measurement, right? Because that's ultimately how you're going to get that early leading indicator of if you're on the right track, right? Is that the count, the people you care about at the accounts you care about are more engaged with you. And so that's probably the number one takeaway, I think, about measurement from the guide. You know, David Ogilvy has a quote that sums it up nicely. He says, don't count the people you reach, but reach the people that count. <laughs> I literally just saw that quote yesterday. We just recorded uh, another session and we were, we were, we're talking Drucker and Ogilvy the whole time. Um, they, they got some, they got some zingers and the, the accounts side of businesses, uh, it's important to understand in manufacturing is that for many businesses, like, so, okay, you have an OEM, you have Nissan, they're really selling to the consumer, right? They're selling their vehicles to the consumer. So they're again, a manufacturer, but that's a different story. And that's probably more of a, you know, consumer story. But for folks in manufacturing, you may want to provide um, a part for that Nissan and get specified. And for that business, let's say they're a stamping company or a machining company. And it's about a lot of this marketing is about one or two customers a year, a long yeah, yeah. run three year deal. And so so that's super important. And these measures and looking at the account based thinking is right up their alley. And again, I think this is more suited for industrial B2B is just about anything else. And I know we're generally speaking B2B, but even more so given institutional buying processes, you know, design engineering processes, really looking at maintenance, repair, and operation for a longitudinal kind of look at, you know, where there's opportunities and, you know, like on some sides, keeping factories running. And I'm just, I can't think of a segment where this doesn't apply, even industrial distribution, you name it. So this brings us to the implementation side and then obviously the, the technology itself. If we were to wrap this up, you know, how do we implement, where does the technology come in? So, I mean, in terms of implementation, I mean, like in most things, you know, don't buy your technology first to, you know, in the hope of like getting a process, you know, you want to start by thinking about what your process should be. And like in many cases, a pilot is a really good place to start. And I've seen pilots structured different ways. If you don't know who the accounts are that you should even be focusing on, a quick pilot just to identify your best accounts to focus on can be a really interesting thing to do first. If you do have some sense of who the accounts are that might be interesting, advertising is a really great way to start because it doesn't require changing a whole bunch of other processes and things like that. Just taking dollars you're already spending and focusing it you know, more effectively. From there, you know, some, you know, now we get into like, okay, just a little more work, but get that, start getting that data foundation. If you use Salesforce as a CRM in Salesforce, your leads don't actually tie to your accounts. So implementing something called lead to account matching is a really good baby step. Starting to alert your sales team with just some basic key insights. 
so that you're looking at that same data. These are all just like easy baby steps people can kind of do to, to kind of get started. The mantra for me is always think big, start small, and move quickly. So have a vision of what you want, but then just get going with something. And then in terms of technology, you know, again, you can do account-based strategies without technology, but you probably need technology to scale it. And so I've seen people pilot with, you know, just the advertising or just lead to account matching or something like that. But then usually then they start thinking about, okay, it's working. And that's when they tend to invest in account-based platforms yeah. like Demandbase or something else. Yeah. And obviously this is, you know, I would imagine going to be more programmatic, more targeted advertising than just, you know, spray and pray. And, uh, yeah, and bringing in data, bringing in data sources. And so I think this is a good lead in. So where, where does, and this is an interesting thing about the show. When we have folks that we talk about technology on the show, one of the comments we have is why didn't you get more into actually how their software works? So they actually want to hear like how, you know, you know, where does ABX technology, ABM, where does demand base come in? And really what does that look like in this context? You know, how is that a great lever? And let's maybe do it in the, in the view of a user that's really getting great utilization out of, you know, demand-based. What does that look like and how, do, how does that play in? Yeah, I mean, sure, there, there, are, there are a lot of components. You know, let, let's start with one of the key pieces, which is just something called account identification, which is if I have somebody on a web page, right, either they're on my website or they're out somewhere on the open web, can I identify what company the, that person works at? And... What's cool, interesting about that is that doesn't break any of the privacy stuff we talked about at the very top here because it's not about the individual, right? It's just about the company. If they're on your website, that tells you information about if it's working, right? Are they engaging with you? If they're out on the open web, two things can happen. One, if it's a page that has a website, an ad, you could target an ad specifically to that company because that's what you want is programmatic advertising. Your, your ads are only showing up in front of companies that actually are a good fit for you. And then you can also get that intent signal about, hey, what, what topic is that company reading? So the account identification is a really important kind of core piece of the technology. From there, it's with a tool like Demandbase, you do kind of collect all your data together from you, ha- you have about the accounts to form that single view. And you can use it to start building audiences and segments. The most common set of segments is where is that account in its journey? You know, and from there, you can start to orchestrate interactions. Right, whether it's changing the ads or talking to your marketing automation system to change the emails that they're seeing or connecting into other tools that can actually send direct mail to sort of send packages to people at the right time. So it is a, a complete platform, but that account identification, the intent data, the scoring, those are some of the kind of the core underlying pieces. Yeah, and, and, they're fa- and, and it brings everything to that single view. And that really allows us to think strategically and value-based. And that, that is amazing technology. It's been a great journey for you. As you kind of like, you know, wrap this up here, John, and, you know, as we look back at this moment, how could folks really kind of connect with Demandbase, you know, kind of get into your content? Where, where could we direct them, uh, either with you, Demandbase, or even some of the great content you have? Well, I mean, as we've talked about, I think everybody listening should grab your free copy of the guide, which you can do at demandbase.com slash ABX guide. If you just go to demandbase.com slash ABX, you'll get pretty close. And then, yeah, if you want to kind of connect with me directly, LinkedIn is usually the best. You know, shoot me a message, say you heard me on this podcast and uh, go from there. Yeah. Yeah, that sounds awesome. And by the way, everybody will have all this information in the show notes, links directly to 
the ABX, the Clear and Complete Guide to Account-Based Experience. John, I really appreciate you being on the show here with us today. And I really, really appreciate what you've done for marketers and really questioning the status quo, even of the own biz- the businesses you've created to really go deeper into how do we really more fruitfully deliver value, respect the customer and really meet them at the right place in the right time in the right context. So thanks again for being on the show. I appreciate it. Okay. So with that said, that's a wrap for the industrial strength marketing show. I hope that you just heard one thing, just one golden nugget that really helps you be a better marketer and seller of your industrial products and services. If you want to reach out to us, definitely check us out at weareindustrial.com or check out the podcast on any of the platforms you like. Give us some comments and give us a review. That's really important. So thanks again. We'll see you soon.